I said, well, I don't have a personal interest in crypto, so I'm not sure what I'm going to discover. But when I went in, I found community and how powerful that can be for nonprofits. Nonprofits thrive on community. Welcome to the Ministry at Scale podcast. I'm your host, Chad Williams. Join us as we discuss trends, learn from experts, and share practical tips to help your ministry multiply its digital impact. Today, we're going to hear from John Cobb, who's a vice president with Ligonier Ministries. And we're going to be talking about some things that might seem way out there to you. Things like blockchain, things like the metaverse, Web3, community, and, and all these different things. Areas where ministries may or may not be given much thought to. So I just encourage you to open your mind and consider what some of these technologies might have an impact in your ministry in the future. So I want to encourage you, as you listen to John speak, just to open your mind about how to start the conversation about these new technologies inside your ministry. Really glad to be here. Um, have enjoyed the content this morning. Uh, I think the, the conversation this afternoon is important, but what you've heard already is important, the conversations I heard around the tables today. Um, it's exciting because we're talking about advancing the gospel, advancing nonprofit ministry in the Lord's kingdom. So um, my title was going to be your ministry in the blockchain. I was going to keep it as generic as possible. My plan is a bit unorthodox. So I'll say a few things. I'll try to talk as little as possible, maybe eight minutes. And then what I want to do is take questions because there's a number of different directions that we could go. And so I want to try to feel out where the room is. That's what I've been doing today so that I can answer specific questions versus just talking for 25 minutes. I also don't have a presentation because that would have given me a, locked me into a certain conversational track. So a bit experimental, but we should have a good time. So um, what I want to do is ask a few questions I'll ask you to have your hand up and then raise your hand as I go through. Uh, put your hand down. So how many people own crypto? Okay, keep your hand up. How many people have that crypto in a wallet? Okay, how many people have an NFT in that wallet? Okay, hands down. New question. How many people have ever been into a Discord? Okay, so, got about half of the room that's been in the Discord. That's a lot further advanced than I thought you guys were going to be. I'm not recommending you guys start going into Discord. It's a scary place. But as I work through this, um, these things will start to make sense. And what I want, the goal of my conversation with you here is I want you to go back to your ministry. This might get you in trouble. But start to talk about crypto. Start to talk about Web3, start to talk about metaverse, blockchain, decentralization, and all of that. And so nonprofits, as I discovered, need to have this conversation. There are certain inevitabilities uh, that I see on the horizon, that we see on the horizon, that are going to have a big impact on nonprofits. Um, I'm going to talk in general about, in three general buckets, community, content, and censorship. So... Like, like I was introduced, I've been in the ministry almost 20 years, done a little bit of everything. Um, I recently oversaw our monthly giving program, our ministry partnership program, about 25,000 monthly donors, got that into a good place, and delegated it. And right around that time, um, the president asked me to look into crypto. So I, 
so I can be deployed on important special projects, assert, sit on different committees, and in one sense, help the organization with strategy. So I said, well, I don't have a personal interest in crypto, so I'm not sure what I'm going to discover. But when I went in, I found community um, and how powerful um, that can be for nonprofits. Nonprofits thrive on community, obviously. Um, and so I used the word community intentionally because what I did is I went into crypto and I found NFTs. So I'm a, I was a hobbyist growing up, collecting baseball cards, uh, developed a photography skill when I worked at Ligonier Ministries, did photography for them for a number of years. So art and all of that, I was interested. And I found NFTs and I'm like, well, this is interesting. And I started to look into it more and more and I realized the power of the community and nonprofits um, is there. It's not necessarily about the JPEG or the art. Um, there's a number of different ways to establish community around access or a membership. So a future membership could just be a token. You prove you have access to this membership through a token or an NFT, right? And that can give you access to communities in Discord or you can find like-minded people in a, in a way that you couldn't before. This has already happened, obviously, with Facebook groups and things like that. But the community grows in a much more powerful way in a Web3 decentralized way. Um, so, like I said, just want you guys to go back at the end of this conversation, at the end of our time today, and start talking about this with um, people in your organization. Um, so, community. Um, why is that so important? Well, Chris Martin talked about it a little bit this morning. Um, he said a couple of really key things I want to make sure that you uh, take away uh, from this conference today. One is that social media is a means to an end. I completely agree with that. You can't look at social media as your ministry or as your outreach. Um, another thing he said is you want to build a community that you own completely agree. Um, and his comments that you don't own your Twitter audience, your Facebook audience, YouTube audience, is critical. And you have to own, be able to own your community. And so how do you do that as a nonprofit? Well, he mentioned email addresses. He mentioned um, established direct contact with them. And all of that is true. But how do you begin to migrate a Facebook audience, a Twitter audience, um, a YouTube audience, into a community that you own that can't be taken away. So why is owning the community so important? Well, that's the other part of what I mentioned, community content censorship, censorship. So there are, what I'm saying, there's three general camps in terms of um, the situation we're in. There is everything's fine, the sky is falling, or the sky has fallen. So everything is fine is censorship isn't, going to happen here in the States, or it's not going to affect our nonprofit. And then there's the sky is falling. It's like, oh, okay, we need to start talking about this. We need to start preparing for this. Um, we could see government censorship or liberal media or those types of things. Or there's the third camp, which is the sky is falling. I'm not here to be an alarmist. I'm not necessarily saying which camp I'm in. Um, but that means certainly censorship is coming. Certainly, potentially, deplatforming is coming. So if you're in that third sky has fallen camp, um, we will be censored. Our content uh, is the truth from the Bible, and there's a lot of opposition, liberal media, whatever. And so what happens 
to your ministry and your outreach, content distribution, um, and your ability to reach people and donors if, you know, you get three strikes on YouTube. You've lost that audience. In Ligonier's case, we have 500,000 subscribers on YouTube, so that's a priority for us to continue to build the YouTube audience. I'm not saying abandon YouTube. Um, but you've got to start thinking, how can I own the community that's on Facebook? How can I establish a direct relationship? And that's what like Chris Martin was talking about this morning. Uh, it was so helpful, and I completely agree. Um, so on the content side, our content speaks truth and teaches truth. Um, there are already countries where you can't get your teaching into those countries, right? So you don't necessarily have to think about your ministry domestically today. You can already imagine your future, depending on what camp you're in, um, if there is censorship, if there is deplatforming, losing your Facebook audience, losing your Twitter audience, that type of thing. Um, and so that content, uh, governments like in China, are going to try to restrict access to that content. Um, not only a bit getting into a country, but somebody consuming that content. So on our website, you know, people aren't able to access, obviously, in different countries, Ligonier.org and some of our other properties, right? So how do you get content to them? Well, our current strategies have been get them to your website, or in the case of China, let's smuggle in Bibles, let's work with a publisher in Taiwan and do some underground publishing. Um, let's get flash drives in there. The problem with all of those is that they can be found out. Somebody can, you know, raid a house or a, a small church, underground church, and find these flash drives that teach the gospel that take a certain position. So how do you, in a country that's closed, get content to them? And I think part of that is the blockchain, where... If you have somebody that has a wallet address, they can have, an, have that be anonymous in terms of the content they're consuming, and you can have a synonymous relationship with that wallet in terms of content distribution. So there's a lot to talk about on the content distribution side, the community side, and the, on the, what did I leave out? Oh, the censorship side. So that's a really broad brush. I don't even know how much time that took, but um, would love to hear your questions, if some don't come forward, I'll just make some up. Um, I would be more than happy to talk about the metaverse and how that might relate to nonprofits, um, blockchain, NFTs, that type of thing. I'm not making a recommendation that your organization um, launches an NFT tomorrow. Certainly not. You don't need to FOMO into this place, as they would say. Um, but you need to start having a conversation. There needs to be some urgency Again, depending on what, your organization's going to fall in different camps in terms of how much priority to put on this. Um, so anyway, any questions about what I've discussed so far? Where is the natural starting point if you have no idea what you are talking about? Right. So what I would recommend doing is getting, becoming aware of what NFTs are. Um, NFTs are viewed as a JPEG. You know, people don't understand why there's a value in, in an image 
but that's not the full conversation. The full conversation is NFTs are, the, that, the acronym NFTs is gonna go away. You can consider an NFT like a pass, a token. Um, and so in your donor's case, in Ligonier's case, we have a concept of learning library. If you bought a cassette tape in the 70s or 80s, 90s, and we could track that, um, you automatically get the MP3, MP4 version of that. Well, that's great, we can email that to you or you can download it, but you can't really prove that you own it, and that's where the blockchain and the wallet and you being able to prove that, to, to Ligonier that you own that, but you're able to prove that to the world, and so that proof that's immutable, unchangeable on the blockchain can give you access to view that on a website to view it on the blockchain if it exists there. So I would recommend um, looking into NFTs. Um, you don't have to spend a lot of money. There's very inexpensive ones out there. Uh, get one in your wallet and maybe join a Discord. Discord is a scary place, but the reason Discord is powerful is the communities there organize themselves. So this is another conversation about Web3 and true decentralization. True decentralization, you're gonna have self-organizing, self-growing communities. And this is already happening today on Discord in a much more powerful way than it does on Slack or Telegram. Um, these communities will start and they'll, they'll be interested in a concept or an idea. And let's say it's, there's a, an, a, a Discord called Scripture NFT. And so there's people interested in just knowing scripture better. And so you are in a community learning scripture together, and then you find out, oh, you also live in the Nashville area. We should meet up, that type of thing. Um, and it's, the community is growing on its own, and it grows at scale in a much more significant way than the ministry itself could handle on its own, especially if you start to talk about other countries and other languages. Um, so that's what I would recommend in terms of trying to understand why I'm saying NFTs equal community or NFTs, you know, community equals NFT. Um, and Discord is scary, you know, turn your DMs off, all of that, um, because there are, are a lot of scammers out there and that type of thing. Um, but that's what I recommend just in terms of trying to get your feet wet. Other questions? Yes. Thank you. What will digital ministry look like in the metaverse? So the metaverse is already here. Um, you know, if I, my son is seven years old, if I told him, hey, for the past year I've been digging into this and I discovered the metaverse and it's this place you can go and there's other people there and there's avatars or whatever, and you can watch a live stream together, or you can play games together or have a conversation, he would have been like, you mean Roblox? So he's playing Roblox, and Roblox already has hundreds of different games and metaverses within inside Roblox. So in that sense, playing a game together or being in community together is already here. Um, and then you have it in other places like Decentraland. So Decentraland, you can live stream an event, um, just as you would like on YouTube Live or something like that. The difference is, is the community aspect of people going into, watch that content together. To get there, they're sharing a wallet 
which is the key to those members knowing who each other are in a disc, un unlocked Discord channel, or um, getting access to your organization. So also, the metaverse isn't necessarily something you put on VR and um, just walk around you know, uh, an environment like Sandbox or something like that. The metaverse, from my perspective, will be much more integrated um, to real life. So let's say I had my phone and I could do an AR or if, if I had virtual glasses. Um, if you had shared um, your public wallet, I could see that you attended this event if there was a what's called a per, uh, POAP, so a proof of, um, proof of attendance protocol. So you could prove that you were here at this event and I would see that or that you were at last year's event and we would have an ability to have a conversation like that. So there are hundreds of different scenarios where the metaverse could be a solution um, for your nonprofit. For example, let's say you're an international relief organization um, and you're providing clean water to the world. And you have wells in different countries and things like that. Well, the donor has never been able to visit that well. Or let's say you planted a tree in a particular area in Africa. You could potentially build that out and they would be able to experience like where that is in a much more intimate way than you could through photography or a newsletter. Um, so they could walk around that area and do that with other donors as well. So. Other questions? We'll be talking about this later too on the panel. Um, you'll hear from Pete and then guys from Meta here. I've talked to both of them. Um, I think the conversations will work really well um, together. So be thinking about this. I know I introduced a lot of concepts, maybe talking fast, but the, the, that's the reason. Yes, sir. More into the, the wallet and describe sure. a little bit more about what you mean by wallet. Sure. So the idea of a digital wallet would hold digital assets. That could be crypto, NFT, or whatever. And so that is connected to you anonymously or publicly. And so all of the content in the wallet and the transactions of that wallet is public on the blockchain. Um, but, so let's say you're in North Korea and you want access to Ligonier's content, but you can't visit our website and um, there's really no way for you to access our content. Well, if you were, had the ability to have internet access or a mobile device or whatever, um, and you were aware that Ligonier was able to share content with you through a digital wallet, that token doesn't have to be an NFT. That token can be distributed to that wallet in North Korea. And the benefit is the anonymity for both the user of the content and the organization. So the organization can anonymously share content with an individual in North Korea um, in, in ways that we can't distribute content today. Um, and so there's a, a long conversation to have about wallets. I don't expect any of this to sink in or to, for you to understand. And you, some of you might be more advanced. I know there were 30 people with their hands up about 
owning an NFT. So you kind of already get it. I see a couple of you nodding along. Find those people and talk to them too. I'll be here uh, throughout the rest of the day. You can talk to me. Um, but like I said, my goal isn't for you to understand all of this, but introduce some concepts where you can go back to your organization and say, hey, this guy was talking crazy, you know, wallets and NFTs and how we need to prepare for this for our future um, and starting that conversation um, so that your organization is getting ready or be getting prepared for a potential deplatforming censorship in the States or it's already, you know, it's already in other countries, like I said. So you're, you're solving that problem at the same time. That's a long answer to your question, but. Yes. Uh, the question is, a place to go for more resources. Um, I don't have a specific recommendation. As a Ligonier staff member, I can't. There's recommendations I would have. I don't want to state them uh, on record or publicly. But, um, and you've got to be careful, too, with your ministry. Like Ligonier, I, I kept my title generic and didn't have the word metaverse in there because some donors aren't excited about the conversation of NFTs. The, the impact that might have on the, um, the environment. Um, Bitcoin is, you know, the mark of the beast, that type of thing. Um, what I would recommend you do is just, even just YouTube. YouTube is a, a fantastic resource. You can search anything, and there's usually some pretty good content that's going to float to the surface. So if you're searching what is an NFT, or um, but what you can't find is how can my nonprofit use the blockchain. There might be something there. Um, so when I was discovering all of this last fall, um, I went to a conference in Miami called DecentralCon, kind of a DeFi conference and talking about NFTs and all that. Um, we went there to find other nonprofits. We didn't find one. There were 10,000 people there. Um, we did find some other Christians, and that's been helpful for networking and having other conversations. Um, but we're certainly really early in the conversation of applying blockchain technology and all the implications to nonprofit ministry. And so you do need to be careful. Ligonier is being very careful, um, not stating publicly that we're in Web3 or NFT or we're not going to have official Discord um, just because there's so many negative connotations around those. So I know my time's up. John, in your research, uh, have you found any patterns in terms of uh, profile of users in the metaverse? Is there a particular demographic group, socially, economically, geographically, ethn ethnicity? Yeah, so I think I heard all of that. It's a little loud over there. But um, where you can... I have a long answer to that question. Let me try to shorten it. It's internationalized. So the number two traffic site to Ligonier.org is from the Philippines. We're not really sure why, and we can't really establish that community today. Um, with Web3, with other technologies coming online, we can find people in the Philippines. They grow a community. They talk to each other. I don't know how many thousands of people 
are aware of RC Sproul and Ligeti Ministries that are in the Philippines, so we don't have a way to facilitate that conversation. Um, but a future Web3 technology could certainly do that, where they're finding, oh, you're a fan of RC and you live down the street or you're in Manila, and we do know that we'll have a conference soon in the Philippines. We're probably not gonna be there physically because they don't want us to spend all that money and time. Um, Gen Z is certainly um, in the metaverse or has wallets. And so what you actually have, were discovering is that audiences that were the hardest to reach this technology, blockchains, NFTs, that type of thing, give us access in a way that we didn't before. So we one of, one of the other examples, we just released the Reformation Study Bible Youth ed Edition. And so we had to develop internal capabilities to reach Gen Z. Well, how do you reach Gen Z? The conversation is, well, they're on TikTok. Well, Ligonier, as a large ministry nonprofit, the brand can't go on TikTok, right? And so we had this problem, how do we reach Gen Z? And I, I do think that Gen Z is there with wallets and in the metaverse and in these, these conversations. So that's a potential way to reach new audiences. So I know my time's up. I'll be on the panel later. Um, and then you can talk to me after this. But thank you again. You know, John's talk covered a lot of ground, whether it was blockchain or crypto, metaverse, Web3. Um, he even mentioned AR and, and VR and all those different areas. But, but you know, John's point wasn't to have answers for you. As he said, we're in the early stages with these, very early stages. And, and I'd love to hear how your ministry is helping keep up with these trends. And are there things that you are doing in a very practical way to do ministry using some of these new technologies? I'd love to hear from you. As always, thank you so much for listening to Ministry at Scale. Until next week, keep learning, keep growing, and keep impacting your world for Christ.